Weight Loss Surgery and Kids, Part 2. This is the Weight and Healthcare Newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing and or sharing at weightandhealthcare.com. Some of you got a sneak peek at this because it accidentally published a week early. Apologies for that. Here it is for real. This series is part of the work I did with WIND, Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics, to create a comprehensive response to the disastrous American Academy of Pediatrics, or AAP, guidelines for higher weight children. I was part of the team that analyzed the research that the AAP claims supports their recommendations, and I'll be publishing my breakdowns here as well. Today's study is The Effectiveness and Risks of Bariatric Surgery, an Updated Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, 2003-2012, through 2012, by Chang et al. Let's start with conflicts of interest and author issues. The authors claim no conflicts of interest. Dr. Chang, the lead author, is an economist whose focus is on, quote, health and economic consequences of, quote, obesity and surgical treatment of obesity, end quote. This is concerning because the idea that if higher weight people cost, quote, too much, then it's worth risking our lives, quality of life to make us thin, is a eugenics-based argument. And using research to try to back that up doesn't make it better, including and especially for recommendations that are meant for children. Authors Varela and Egon are bariatric surgeons who stand to benefit financially from the recommendations of this study. Quick overview. In addition to issues with analysis and study quality, this study looks at a population with a mean age of 45, not pediatric populations, and is thus not applicable to the populations discussed in the AAP guidelines, but I'm going to go ahead and analyze it anyway. The heterogeneity of the studies brings their choice of meta-analysis into question, and I'm concerned that their claim of meta-analysis may lead people to believe that study conclusions are stronger than they actually are. The short-term follow-up, 43% of the studies included less than two years of follow-up, and the maximum follow-up was only five years, is inadequate to judge the long-term consequences of a surgery that creates lifelong forced food restriction and, in some cases, malabsorption. So, too long didn't listen? There is absolutely nothing about this study that supports the idea that these surgeries are a good idea for anyone, let alone children as young as 13. All right, let's take a deeper dive. In the introduction, they say, quote, Treatments of, quote, obesity, except surgery, are generally ineffective in long-term weight control, end quote. Note that while the AAP guideline authors cite this study to support their surgery recommendations, it actually contravenes the guideline's own recommendations on intensive health behavior, lifestyle treatments, and pharmacotherapy. They say, quote, In addition to sustained weight loss, surgical treatment provides additional benefits to people with, quote, obesity-related comorbidities and reduces relative risk of death due to significant weight loss, end quote. Let's look at the citations they use to try to support that statement. The first is a study, Cost-Effectiveness of Bariatric Surgery, Should It Be Universally Available, 2011, by three of the same authors as this study. It attempts to make the case that surgery should be available to, quote, all, quote, obese people because, uh, based on the rationale, that it is cost-effective. The majority of the studies they used to calculate this had less than two years of follow-up, and they used a series of assumptions and probabilities in lieu of actual long-term data. It does not support the statement above and does not specifically include pediatric patients at all. The next study, Surgery Decreases Long-Term Mortality, Morbidity, and Healthcare Use in Morbidly, Quote, Obese Patients, 2004, only looked at adult subjects and only for five years, which is insufficient follow-up to support their conclusions or their title as far as I'm concerned. The next study, 
bariatric surgery reduces mortality in Swedish men, the entire study population is Swedish, cisgender, adult men. This study has issues with their matching and other statistics, but I didn't fully analyze it since the population has nothing to do with the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines population. The next study, Bariatric Surgery, an overview of, quote, obesity surgery 2007, again, focuses entirely on adult populations. Finally, they cite effects of bariatric surgery on glucose homeostasis and type 2 diabetes 2012. This looks at the impact of weight loss surgeries on adult populations. There are significant limitations in terms of length of follow-up, and they also gloss over significant unexplained disease recurrence. Next, they claim, quote, specifically, we report the risks defined as peri- and post-operative mortality, complications, and reoperations, and the effectiveness defined as weight loss and remission of, quote, obesity-related diseases. Here I want to quickly point out that, quote, obesity-related diseases are diseases that people of all sizes get that get called, quote, obesity-related when higher weight people have them. Note that their criteria ignores a significant number of known adverse events and negative psychological impacts. Also, the studies they included needed only to report one of the outcomes to be included. They mentioned that 259 studies met the inclusion criteria, but they only included 164 studies, and only 37 of those were randomized controlled trials. The rest were observational studies. The mean age was 45, so again, this is not applicable to pediatric populations. Looking at their statistical analysis, they say, quote, Surgical complications included all adverse events associated with surgery reported in the study, such as bleeding, stomal stenosis, leak, vomiting, reflux, gastrointestinal symptoms, and nutritional and electrolyte abnormalities. The trick here is in the phrase, reported in the studies. As we've seen, many of these studies are authored and funded by people with significant personal and financial buy-in to the concept of these surgeries. When they get to choose which of the massive number of possible adverse events to include, they often choose to consider few events and only for a short period of time. This is far from a complete list of complications and ignores other adverse events and psychological impacts, including those that are truly long-term. Also note that their use of frequentist invasion statistics relies heavily on probabilities. Let's look at the results section. Again, their inclusion criteria only required one of the outcomes to be reported. So, for example, all 164 included studies reported weight change in some manner, but only 63 offered a mortality analysis during the first 30 days post-op. Only 47 offered a mortality analysis after 30 days. Only 54 included a complication analysis. And only 37 included a reoperation analysis. So, when they say in their conclusion that, quote, death rates were lower than those reported in previous meta-analyses, end quote, they should probably point out that only about 38% of the included studies actually offered a mortality analysis during the first 30 days post-op, and only 29% included a mortality analysis after 30 days. 73 of these studies included had follow-up of less than two years. 91 had follow-up greater than two years. The chart they provide shows five years as the longest follow-up with massive loss of subjects between years, and all surgeries except gastric banding showing weight regain from years four through five. This is, of course, not long enough to capture the long-term effects of surgeries that force food restriction and in some cases malabsorption, as well as dumping syndrome and other side effects. 
They say that, quote, having lost a follow-up of greater than 20% was associated with more significant weight loss in the second year after surgery, end quote. This suggests that those who weren't having significant weight loss may have dropped out of the study, creating an illusion of greater weight loss. To reiterate, there is absolutely nothing about this study that supports the idea that these surgeries are a good idea for anyone, let alone children as young as 13. Did you find this post helpful? You can subscribe for free to get future posts delivered direct to your inbox or choose a paid subscription to support the newsletter and get special benefits. Go to weightandhealthcare.com and click subscribe.